my privilege to introduce Jonathan um, as he is associated with the Camping News. God's got his hand on that piece of property out there in Fairview. My wife and I, uh, when she was alive, were involved with, not with the property, but we knew Nancy Wilcoxon and we worked for some time and eventually the Lord opened that door to see that property be used. It had been used for a long time before, but the Lord is, that property is dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the outreach, his outreach, the gospel to children. And uh, we, I'm privileged to be on the board there and I'm privileged to know Jonathan. He's a good man. We appreciate his heart very much. I know his whole family. I know his dad and his dad especially. He's uh, give him a hard time. He's, he's a good brother. <laughs> he's always making some of the wise For some reason, he didn't like Alabama. I don't know why. But anyway, Jonathan, come up and take the time you need. Thank you. Sorry, it's really kind of small this morning. It's not because you're coming. It's the people that backslide sometimes. Right. He probably hadn't thought of that, Pastor Peter. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. You, got, you got many people online. You got some online? Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I know I heard the ethereal voice of Aaron just yeah. consuming <laughs> <laughs> I do understand that as a college student. My motto once I got to my third year was C's get degrees. So keep at it, Aaron. You got it. Um, and just so you know, Pastor Peter, I got the bulletin as well. And it does say Jonathan Peck on there. So you didn't. You did fix it. It actually says we welcome the Jonathan Peck. And I appreciate that. <laughs> um, well, this morning, I've got a little report for the summer up at Camp Good News, just to fill everybody in on how the summer went. And then I figured I'd share with you all one of the chapels we did with the kids while we were up there, yeah. so you get a little taste of what it's like. Um, but we did have a really good summer this year, especially recovering after all the mess that was last year. Um, so in 2019, we had 330 campers, which is pretty much our max. We can do 360. So 3.30 is pretty much up there. Um, and then last year, with everything that went on, we dropped all the way down to just over 100 campers. Um, we could only do day camps. And this year, we jumped back up to 250 campers. So wow. pretty good recovery. Um, we did actually have to cancel one week because we had a little COVID outbreak. And we had about three counselors that got sick and a bunch of campers that got sick. So we had to, we got all the kids up there on Sunday, and then we had to send them home on Monday. So it wasn't fun, but we made it through the summer. Um, but anyway, so we had about 250 campers total, and over the course of the summer, we did have 28 kids that got saved. Actually, 26 campers and then two staff members as well. So um, 28 total for the summer. And uh, just to share a couple of stories about how the summer was, um, our theme was Into the Promised Land. Last year, our theme was Leaving Egypt, and we talked about pretty much the Exodus and the children of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt and how God called them out, and he led them uh, through, uh, through Moses, through the... Uh, to the um, desert, they talk about Mount Sinai, Isaiah got closer to the promised land, things like that. Um, and so that was last year's theme. And this year we just picked up right where we left off and we, uh, we did the book of Joshua and talked about how the children of Israel went into the promised land. So Joshua chapter three is where we're gonna be today if you have your Bible. Um, but uh, just to go into the, to a little bit of the uh, stories of the summer, it was a really good, week, good year. We have six weeks of camp, of course, minus the seven to nine boys was the one that had to get canceled. So seven to nine boys, they were only there for a day. Um, but a few a few of the stories, so during Teen Boys Week, uh, we had a really good week with the teen boys. Um, they can be a little hit or miss sometimes. They can, sometimes they'd be really rowdy and not want to pay attention and do anything, do anything they want, stuff like that. But this year we had a really good group of teen boys um, and they were all very respectful um, and they really listened, they really wanted to learn. And it, uh, every Thursday we have a campfire. That's our last thing that we do, uh, Thursday night. 
and it actually was raining on that Thursday night. So what we do is we have a video of a campfire that we put on loop in the chapel and we turn the lights out and we have a campfire indoors. Um, so that's what we did. And during that campfire, uh, there was, you know, sometimes during the campfire, kids would come up and just say a bunch of nonsense and kind of just be like, today's my birthday and, you know, things like that. And, uh, but during this Teen Boys Week, we had a lot of boys that went up and really shared. They, they, we had boys going up and sharing uh, some things that they were struggling with and asking for prayer and what they learned at camp that week. And it was just like, it was a really, really good campfire. And during that campfire, one of our counselors actually had gotten saved at camp a couple days earlier. He realized he had not put his faith in Jesus. And so he, he, he made that decision at camp this year. And I told him, he told me Thursday afternoon, and I told him that he should share that story at the campfire. Um, so sure enough, he got up there at Thursday night at the campfire, and he shared with everybody about his his testimony and how he's a how he's believed in Jesus now. And because of his testimony, a boy stayed back after the campfire and talked to Aaron, and that boy got saved that night after the campfire as well. And it was just a really great week. Um, and then also during that week, there's a boy that's been coming to camp for years whose name is Tyler, who's got a very rough family life. His dad's in prison, um, and he's got sisters from different dads with the same mom and anyway it's just a big mess with his family and he's always given me some problems starting fights and doing things he shouldn't be doing up at camp and things like that but this year he stayed back after the first night of chapel and he, he was crying and he talked to me about how he wanted to change his life and how he didn't want to keep living the same way he'd been living um, and so i talked to him some um and he uh you know he's been coming to camp for a long time and he goes to church occasionally, so he knows all about the story of the gospel and everything. But I, there was just something about that week or that night that made him realize that he really needed to change his life. Um, and I mean, he actually, we needed another counselor for the next week of camp. And so I, I was pretty impressed with the way he was matured. And so he, I allowed him to stay for the next week to be a counselor. And he actually ended up leading another boy to salvation. Um, and so, I mean, his name is Tyler, so keep praying for him because he does have a really rough, he had to go back into it, of course. Um, but his name is Tyler, and it was just cool to see the life change in him because it's a complete 180 from what he used to be. I saw when he was just even two years ago starting fights at camp and just being really, really not a great kid. And now it's, it seems like he's really starting to change, which is really good. Um, and then just a few other things, you know, we, like I said, a really good summer. A lot of kids got saved. Um, during the, the, the youngest girls week, the seven to nine-year-old girls, there was one night where um, one, of the, one of the girls wanted to stay back and talk after chapel, and she was like eight years old, and one of our counselors stayed back to talk with her, and I sat in the back of the chapel just to listen in and hear what was going on, and uh, the, the counselor, she's, she's one of our really, our really good counselors. Her name is um, Bethany, and she was staying back and talking to this girl, and she, she shared the message of salvation. She asked the girl she wanted to get saved, and and the girl was, you know, she, she was a little bit hesitant at first, and she, she asked, well, is it going to take a long time? And Bethany said, no, like, you believe in Jesus, and, and that's it. And the girl said, really, that's all you have to do? And Bethany said, yep. And she said, oh, that's easy. I can do that. And so she believed in Jesus that night, and then she went back to her cabin and said, guys, I got saved tonight. And then, like, three other girls in her cabin were like, oh, I want to get saved. And so they went and talked to their counselor. Um, and, and all three of those girls ended up believing in Jesus as well. Um, but they did. They they went. They went to talk to their counselor about it, and and they explained it all to them. And and they got up at the campfire on Thursday night and told everybody. One of the girls that got saved that night in the cabin walked up to the campfire, and her message was, "When I came to camp, I didn't know anybody could love me more than mommy and daddy, but now I know Jesus loves me." 
Um, and then she said, I got saved this week. And so it was, it was really good. And that was her, that was her whole message was that she didn't know anyone could love her more than mommy and daddy, but now she knows Jesus loves her too. Um, so anyway, thank you for your prayers this summer, your prayers and support. We appreciate it. Um, we had a really good summer and hopefully, you know, God will bless us next year and we'll get back up to full, full capacity again. We still had some that were hesitant to come up because of COVID. We had, a, we had about five or six that signed up and then ended up canceling because they were still scared. And then I know that there were others that didn't sign up because they were worried about it as well. So hopefully next year we'll be back to, you know, over 300 kids. That's what we're shooting for. And hopefully we won't have any more outbreaks or anything like that. We have to shut things down. That, was, that wasn't a very fun one. But um, Aaron ended up getting COVID that week too. So we, we really got knocked out that, that one particular week. But anyway, thank you. Like I said, thank you for your prayers and your support. But uh, today... We'll be in Joshua chapter three. Um, so for the for the summer, like I said, our theme was into the promised land. And in the mornings, I would do the speaking in chapel, and we went over the book of Joshua. Uh, but in the evenings, Aaron would do chapel, and he would uh, he would do a story from the Bible that was kind of based on the theme for the day. Every day had a theme verse, a memory verse for the kids to learn. And in the evenings, Aaron would do a chapel that was based off of the memory verse. Um, but that way, you know, there's not. The first, the first little bit of Joshua's got a lot of good stories, but once you get past, you know, chapter 11 and there's dividing the land up, it's not, it's going to be hard to do a chapel with kids and all that. So I don't know how I'd make that interesting for them. But anyway, so Aaron, Aaron kind of did his own thing in the evenings and in the mornings we went over the book of Joshua. And our theme verse was actually um, Joshua uh, 1, 9, which I'm sure many of you know this verse. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous and not be terrified and not be because we're playing a two-day competition. And that was our theme verse for the it's entire like, week. It's my birthday. Uh, we were talking about how God was leading the children of Israel into the promised land. And of course, we always, with every single chapel that we do, we always bring it back to the gospel at the end and point the kids towards Jesus. Uh, that's that's really not so every single every single one that we did, we would point yeah. out. And so the first night, I would talk about um, just Joshua chapter one and how Joshua like was now in charge and he was leading the Israelites. Okay. Um, and then the next day, Monday morning, we talked about uh, Rahab and the spies. And then Tuesday morning is Joshua chapter three, crossing the Jordan River. That's the one that I have for today. Um, and then we would also talk about um, sort of Jericho, of course. Um, and then we would talk about Aiken, and then the like last the, day we talked about. Well, but um, he'd find a way to go. The, like, the last days of Joshua's life. To find the children of Israel together, and he actually, you know, he set up a rock in Israel as a reminder of what God had done for them. And so for the older kids, I did. I got absolutely screwed that up. And I gave them a little rock, so, and I said, just like Joshua set up that did. rock, this is a reminder to you what God taught you at camp. Only three. Um, so that's. I didn't give it to little kids. I didn't want them throwing them. But the older kids, they got they got a little rock as a reminder, just like Joshua set up a rock for the Israelites. Um, but anyway, Joshua chapter three is a fairly familiar story. I'm sure we've all heard it before. As the children of Israel crossed the Jordan River, um, it always amazes me every year at camp because I I'm, I grew up in church and I've heard all these stories since I was little. And you get these kids that have never heard these stories before in their life, and it always I mean, kind of it's always a little bit of a shock to me when a kid will come up and be like, I've never heard that story before. I'm like really? You never heard about Joshua before? Really? But you know, that's just the way things are. Um, it's always a bit of a surprise to me. But uh, Joshua chapter 3, the children of Israel, you know, they've um, they've entered into the promised land now. Or they're about to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. Joshua's in charge now. They've sent the spies in to check out the land. The spies have met Rahab. They've come back. And now, uh, Joshua chapter 3, verse 1, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp. 
So the scene to set up, right? We got the children of Israel, this nation, this country. Um, they are going to the land that God has promised them, and they've got this problem that's in front of them, of course, the Jordan River. Um, and we learn later on in verse 15 that the Jordan River was actually at flood stage during this time. Um, so it wasn't just like a little stream. It wasn't just a little creek that they had to get across. We're talking about an overflowing flooded river, um, which is, you know, can be a little bit of a scary thing when you're looking at it. Um, and I, during the summer, I would tell the kids, I would ask the kids, have anyone ever seen a flooded river before? Um, and of course, some of them have. And, you know, even though I'm a pretty good swimmer, I think, and I can, I can swim in a swimming pool and stuff like that, um, if there's a river that's flooded, I'm not going to get in that river. Because those things, I mean, you know the currents, they're, they're going fast. I would share the kids the stories back in the day when I was in middle school, when we got hit by those hurricanes up here in the mountains. That was like uh, 14 years ago now, 14, 15 years ago, when uh, I lived out in Swannanoa, next to the Swannanoa River, and that Swannanoa River flooded. And it got all the way up on those banks. And I remember driving down to um, uh, Biltmore, over, over by the Biltmore house, and that whole area, Biltmore Park, was flooded. That river had overflowed. I remember going and looking at that. My parents drove us right up to the barrier so we could look and see it. Uh, over at ACA, where I went to school, my dad actually had to put sandbags out because the Swannanoa River had flown, had overflowed so much it was going up towards the, towards the building. And if you've seen an, if you've seen a flooded river, then you know you don't want to swim across that thing. You don't want to get in it. The children of Israel have this river in front of them, and God has called them to cross that river. Um, and the, the, I'm sure the easy and natural response for any of the children of Israel would have been like, well, you know what, why don't we wait until it's not flooding? Or maybe we could build a bridge, or we could find another way around. That's not what God's plan was. Um, and, of course, they had this big problem. This, was the, this is how I related it to the kids during the summer, was that they had this problem, the Jordan River, that was there in front of them. But I would ask the kids, was there a Jordan River in your life? Is there an obstacle in your life that doesn't seem like you're going to be able to get across it? And you don't know how you're going to make it across. And in this story, we see some lessons that God gives the children of Israel and some, some things, some of the instructions he gives them that we can follow as well when we face these obstacles and problems in our life. You know, and I would even, I told the kids this story. When I was, when I was growing up, I was always very short. I was the shortest person in my class until high school when I finally passed the shortest girl and became not the shortest person in my class. Um, and when I was a freshman in high school, I wasn't, I didn't reach five feet tall until I was a freshman in high school. And when I did reach five feet tall, my friends threw me a party and we celebrated. So I was always very short. But when I first became a counselor at camp, I, uh, we, uh, we took the kids, we used to go to Chimney Rock and we let them play in that river down there. And we would let the kids go across the river um, and if they wanted to play over there. And then, um, you know, the, it's not a super wide river if you've been over there and it's not very deep, but I was very short. And we had kids on the other side of the river that couldn't swim. And so I would go, we, at the end of, the, at the end of the, our time there as counselors, we would go across the river and we would put kids on our shoulders and take them back across. And I didn't want to be the only guy counselor that couldn't take kids across the river. That's just embarrassing. <laughs> So even though the river went above my head, I decided I was going to go across that river and I was going to put a kid on my shoulders and I was going to take him across the other side so that I wouldn't be the only counselor not doing it. So I took a kid and I put him on my shoulders and I started crossing that river. And I got to the deep part. I figured the deep part wasn't very wide. It was only like that wide. And I figured I could just like bop under the water for a few seconds and then hop back up on the other side. And as I was taking that kid across, he couldn't swim. And as soon as my head went underwater, his hands were around my neck, and he just tightened up and leaned backwards and threw me underwater and wouldn't let go. And the next thing I remember is the counselors dragging me up on the side of the river and waking, opening my eyes and realizing I wasn't dead. Um, and I lost my watch. The kid ripped my watch off. But it was a very scary thing. And we're talking right now with these, these Israelites. 
You know, it's one thing for a couple of spies to cross the Jordan River to go check out the land. And I'm pretty sure they were, they were probably athletic guys and could make it across. But we're talking families. We're talking cattle. We're talking tents. We're talking the wagons. This isn't an army, what they had. Like, this is obviously a big problem, you know. You're not going to – it might be one thing for the athletic guys for the ones that are in shape and young to get across, but for grandma and grandpa and for the babies and for the cows and the sheep and all that stuff, how are we going to get across this river? And, and God tells them, you know what, in three days you're going to cross. And I, I'm, I'm sure if I would have been one of the children of Israel, I would have been like, okay, but I, I don't see how this is going to happen. Like, I, I, God, have you looked out? Have you seen what that river looks like right now? Like, it's, it's, it's not – that's not possible. We can't do that. Um, but, of course, God did have a plan. So, anyway, uh, verses 3 and 4, uh, that's where we'll go, go next. We got the first lesson that God gives the children of Israel. When you have this problem in your life, the first thing he tells you to do. He says, verse 3, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go. So the first lesson we see, right, when we got this problem in our life and when we got this obstacle in our life, what's the first thing God tells the children of, Israelite, uh, children of Israel is to keep their eyes on him. The Ark of the Covenant, right? That was God's presence with his people. And the first thing he tells them is, he says, look, the Ark of the Covenant is going to go before you and you're going to keep your eyes on it and you're going to focus on it. So keep your eyes on Christ. And when these problems in life arise and when, when things are not going well and we encounter these obstacles, right, the first thing that we need to be doing instead of focusing you know, on the problem or looking to something else for a solution is to look towards Christ. You know, see, try to try to discern what He wants us to do with our lives. Try to go before Him in prayer and ask Him, and, and He'll and He'll guide us and He'll direct us. But that was His instructions for the children of Israel: was, hey, keep your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. Keep your eyes on Me. Don't worry about the river. Don't worry about the problem. You just keep your eyes on Me and you follow where I want you to go. Our memory verse for today was Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 when we were with the kids. Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. And that was our theme verse for the kids today. And sometimes we do try to find our own solutions and we try to do things our own way. Um, but that's, that's, not, that's not what God wants from us. He wants us, of course, to, to follow him and to do what he, he wants us to do. Uh, and sometimes that can be hard and sometimes if we want to find our own solutions. I've shared before how I became director at the camp when I did not want to be director. And I want to do things my own way. And finally, I had to surrender to Christ and say, all right, God, I'll be the director of the camp. And I've, I've enjoyed it very much. And I'm glad I finally did listen to him and did what he wanted me to do. Um, but the children of Israel, you know, they just they had to trust God. They had to keep their eyes on him and they had to focus on him. Um, and that, that, that leads right into the second lesson that God had for the children of Israel in verse 8. We're going to skip a few verses. Um, well, we'll go back to verse 7 just for the context. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So now we reach, who in my mind are the heroes of the story, is the priests. These are the guys that are really going to have to have, these are the guys that are going to have to have a lot of faith. Because God's instructions to these priests was that they are supposed to, while carrying the ark, they are supposed to go to the edge of the Jordan River, and then they're going to be supposed to go stand in the river. Which was, I'm sure, like I, I don't even know how I would react if I was one of those priests, if I heard that. And you got to, like these priests are carrying the ark, so they got a big old gold box on their shoulders, and they're dressed out in their priestly garments and all that other, the robes and everything they would have to wear. And God says, all right, now just go stand in this flooding river. And I'm pretty, like, I, I, you know, even, even if they were good swimmers, there's no way you're going you're to be able to swim in that river. And I'm, 
I'm sure that they were just, it was just like, well, are you sure? Like that, what are we supposed, how are we supposed to do that? Well, but we see right here with these priests is God telling them, don't be distracted. Don't let the river, don't let that distract you. You know, keep your eyes focused on God and don't let the problem distract you. It would have been very easy for the priests as they got closer and closer to the edge of that water to realize that it's a flooding river, to realize what's going on and for them to say, you know what? I'm not, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to get out of here, you know, because sometimes we do let the problems in life distract us from God. Sometimes we do let the obstacles and what's going on take our eyes off Christ. And we focus on the problem instead of focusing on God. And we get scared and we get worried. And we say, you know what, instead of, instead of dealing with this, instead of facing with this, I'm just going to turn around and not do it. And we let the problems, we let the obstacles distract us. Um, but that's, that, the priests were not going to be able to do that. They had to get, they had to go up to the edge of the water. They had to go out there. They had to stand in the water. And sometimes it's easy for us to think that our problems are big and our God is small. Because, you know, we can see our problem. It's right there in front of us. And, and we can't we can't see God with our own eyes, you know. He's, we have faith that, he's, that he is who he says he is, you know, and we trust him, of course. But sometimes we look at that problem and it's like, that problem's right there. You know, where's, where's God when I've got this problem right here in my life? And that's why God instructed them to keep their eyes on him and not be distracted by the problem. Don't let the problem get so big. Because, of course, we know the opposite is true. Our problems are small. God is big. He can handle any problems that we have. And we just got to keep our eyes on him and not be distracted by all the other stuff that's going on. Um, so I would tell the kids, you know, don't let, don't let the problems that you have in life, don't let these obstacles. And we got kids that come from really rough backgrounds. We got kids that have a lot of problems. Like I shared about Tyler. He's not the only story like that. There's a lot of kids that come to camp that have really, really, really big problems in their lives. Problems that kids their age shouldn't have in their lives, but they do. And, and, and it's hard for them, and I, it's hard for me to relate with them sometimes because I, I was very blessed to grow up in a very good family with my parents who were together, and they took us to church, and they loved us, and they were they never mistreated us or anything like that. So it's it can be hard for me to relate to these kids sometimes. But they, they, they do. They have a lot of problems. Um, but God is bigger than all of our problems. He's, he's willing to help us. He's willing to guide us and get us through. I would actually share the, the, with the kids the, the, the verse in the New Testament where Jesus says, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can look at that mountain and tell it to move and it'll move. If you have faith in Christ and you're able to keep following him, then he will. He'll help you. And there's not an obstacle that's too big that he can't help us with. He's willing. He's able to help us through everything. So anyway, moving on. Um, go to verses 9 and 10. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. Um, so in these verses right here, Joshua says to the children of Israel that they're supposed to look back and remember this moment. They're supposed to, they're, they're, when, when they enter this land, the promised land, Right? It was inhabited by a whole bunch of people that scared them the first time around. Remember, back in Numbers, they sent spies into the land, and the spies came back scared, right? And they said, we can't do it. They're, they're big. There's giants there. They're scary. There's armies. There's cities. And in fact, as, as soon as the children of Israel get across the Jordan River, what's the first thing they encounter? Jericho, a giant walled city. Um, we talked about we talked about Jericho with the kids and how, you know, it's a huge walled city, double walls. And, and the children of Israel, they weren't much of an army. You know, they had just been spent 40 years wandering around in the desert. That's not really a... You know, that's not really an army. That's, that's, that's a, just a, it's a country. It's a group of people. They didn't really have, like, siege weapons or anything like that. They were going to have all these obstacles that they were facing coming up. But Joshua says to the Israelites, look, you're going to look back, and you're going to look at, look at what God did here at this Jordan River, and you need to remember it. Because when we face problems in the future, you need to be able to look back and remember what God has done for you. 
And it's the same thing for us. It's the third lesson I would talk with the kids about. Remember what God has done for you before. When we face obstacles in our life, when we face problems, it's good to look back and remember how God has gotten us through other problems. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we, we don't remember, you know. We, we, we think we've encountered this new problem. And, you know, how, how, is this, how are we going to get through this one, God? How are you going to help me through this one? And we forget that God's helped us through so much before. And if you just look back in your life, I'm sure you can see all the times that God has helped you and that God has been with you and that he's guided you through these, these problems in life. But we forget. Now, I forget. I've got a horrible memory. This is my now wife, Grace. We just got married a little over a month ago. And she can tell you, if you I have a horrible memory. I can't remember anything. She, she was very kind and put the date that we got married in our ring. <laughs> now, whenever I need to know, I can just take it off and be like, "Oh, that's right, uh, August 20th. There we go." One of the vans, because they was it was it was very it was running really low, and it was like a night. All the kids had already gone to bed, and I finally had some time to get out, so I hopped in the van and drove to the gas station. And when I got to the gas station, I realized I forgot my wallet. So I said, "All right, well, I got to go back." So I got back in the van and went back to camp to get my wallet. And I grabbed it and I jumped back in the van and I went to the gas station. And when I got to the gas station, I realized I forgot to put my credit card in the wallet. So I had no money. So I had to get back in the van and go back to camp. And I got back to camp and I got the credit card and I put it in the wallet. And there was an issue. I there ended up being, a, I needed to go to a cabin and talk to a kid real quick. So I did that, took care of that, um, had the card in the wallet. So I jumped back in the van and I went to the gas station. And when I got to the gas station, I realized I forgot to grab my wallet after I put the card in there. So I had to get back in the van and go back to camp and get my wallet and I had the car and I went back to the gas station and I finally got gas on the fourth round. But I have got a horrible memory. And, and sometimes I do forget. Sometimes I, I see these problems and I see these things that happen in life and it's like, oh, what's, what's going to happen now? But we never that. And that's what Joshua was telling the children of Israelites right here. Look, we're going to face some problems in the future. We're going to face these people. We're we're going to have other issues. But remember, God got us across this flooding river. God got us across the Jordan. Uh, we'll go down to verses 15, uh, verse 15 and 16. Uh, now, when the, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away uh, at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of the Arabah was uh, completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. So finally, the climax of the story, we have the priests. They walk to the water's edge of the Jordan River. We have the children of Israel behind them following along. And the Bible says that as the priests, they approached the Jordan, and it was at flood stage, and it was that water was high, and that water was running fast. But when did the water stop flowing? When they put their foot in the water. And I'm sure we've, we've heard this, many of us have heard this story so many times. But that water did not stop flowing until the priests actually put their foot in the water. And they had to have faith. They had to believe that God was going to take care of them. And that was the fourth lesson, was to trust that God will take care of you, even when it might not seem like he is. And at the moment that those priests approached the Jordan River, the closer they got, the more they probably thought to themselves, God, are you really going to stop this water? Are you, are you really going to make this dry ground? And with every, every step, they got closer to that river. God, you said you were going to stop the water, God. Like, when are, when are you going to stop the water? And even, even, even as they were one step away and that river was still flowing, God, you said you were going to stop this water. You said you were going to help us cross on dry land. What, like, the river's still going, God. 
But again, as soon as their feet touch the water, that's when God calls the water to stop. And there are times in life where the, the, the problems and the obstacles that we face, it can, it can seem sometimes like God is not there. You know, we're just being honest. We're human beings. We forget. We take our eyes off Christ. We get distracted. And there are times where it can be like, God, where are you? You know, I, I, I know, I, God, I know, I believe in you, God. I, I, I put my faith in you. Where, where are you right now in this problem? And it can be hard sometimes. And, you know, there's a, there, there's a, there's a story I like to share with the kids this summer. We had, we used to have a camp. We had a camper named Gustavo, and he was one of my favorite campers. But Gustavo was deaf. Um, and he was still a really nice kid, really, really smart. And he, uh, we, we have a game we play at night sometimes, only during the team we call hostage. It's basically tag in the dark. Um, at the end of the round, I ring the bell to let everyone know that the round is over and they need to go back to the mess hall. And so this year we had Gustavo, who was deaf, and I, I knew that he wouldn't know the round was over when we rang the bell, right, because he couldn't hear the bell. So I assigned one of the campers to stay with him so that he would let him know that when the round was over. And so the rounds were 10 minutes long, and I went up, and I rang the bell, and we got all the kids back in the mess hall, and we counted everybody to make sure we had everybody, and then we realized we didn't have Gustavo, and then we had a problem, because there's a deaf kid at camp, and it's dark, and it's night, and he's hiding in the woods somewhere because he doesn't want to get tagged. And so we had to send all the campers out to go try to find poor Gustavo, and I sent the team boys out, and I said, all right, everybody, help me out. we got to find him, and I sent everybody else, and the first thing that they did when they walked out of the door, they said, Gustavo, where are you? Because they forgot that he was deaf. And for the next five minutes, as we looked for this child all over camp, you would hear kids yell out, Gustavo, where are you? And then one of the most, one, another camper from somewhere else would yell, he's deaf, he can't hear you. And eventually we did find him. So we don't have any, there's, he, he was found. We didn't want to lose him. Um, he actually started running when we found him because he thought he was being chased. So we had, to, we had to corral him and bring him back up. And I did talk to the kid that I had assigned to stick with them. His name was Quentin. I said, Quentin, why did you let Gustavo leave? He said, well, we were being chased, so I told him to run. I said, Quentin, you had one job. You had one job, son, and that was to make sure that he did not leave you. Um, but we, we took care of that issue. We found him. It's all good. But isn't that, it's, it's a funny story, but isn't that how it sometimes is? Sometimes we cry out to God and say, hey, God, where are you? You know, you God, I, I've got this thing going on in my life right now. I'm right here at the edge of it, you know. Where, where are you, God? Why haven't, why haven't you solved this problem yet? Why haven't you helped me out yet? And we just, you just got to continue to have faith that even when, even when you might not see it and even when it might not feel like it, God is with you. And you just got to, you just got to keep your eyes on him and keep your focus on him. And that's, that's, that's what it takes sometimes is putting your foot out there in the water and just going ahead and going for it. We, I, we experienced that at camp this year. Um, during, uh, during Teen Boys Week, we had enough counselors for Teen Boys, but for the middle boys, the very next week, we didn't have enough counselors. Um, and uh, the, the, the smart thing for me to do would have been to cancel that week of camp, probably, because we didn't have the volunteers that we needed. Um, but I, we just moved forward, me and the staff up there at camp, we moved forward and just trusted that God was going to take care of it, and that he was going to provide the staff that we needed. And sure enough, we had some boys, like I mentioned, Tyler, a couple other boys that were there that week that were able to stay, stay for the next week and help us out. And I'm thankful that we didn't quit on that week of camp because I think five boys got saved that week. And it's, it's a good thing that we didn't. I didn't just decide to throw in the towel. And sometimes, I mean, I'm sure you, if you, if you knew Mr. Dennis and Ms. Marsha, I'm sure you've heard his stories as well about their times in the past where we haven't had money for camp for food for the next week. And Mr. Dennis, he would just say, well, you know what? We got kids signed up to come to camp, so we're going to have camp. And God will provide the food. 
And sure enough, without fail, every year, for however many years camp has been going on now, over 20 at this point, every single year, God has provided for all of our needs. And sometimes sometimes it can be a little rough. Sometimes you might have to get right up there to the edge, but you just got to keep trusting in God and trusting that he's going to provide. And then for the kids, at the end of this at the end of this lesson, we would talk about all this, and we talk about the faith of the priests and how they how they had to trust that God was going to take care of them. And I would tie it to Hebrews 11.6 to close out with the kids. Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And from there, I would tie it to the gospel, you know, and talk about how without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith in Jesus and who he is, it's impossible to please God. You can't work your way into heaven. You can't do enough good works or anything like that. But like the priest, you had the faith to walk into the Jordan River. You have to have faith in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. So that is just a, a little snippet of what we talked about at camp. Um, thank you guys again so much for your prayers, like I said, uh, and for your support for the ministry. Um, do keep us in your prayers moving forward. Of course, we, we always need, need prayers for funds to come in. Um, and God is faithful to provide, and he always has been. I have no reason to think that he's going to stop anytime soon. So keep praying for those funds uh, to come in so that we can continue to have camp and for free for the for campers. Uh, keep praying for the volunteers as well. Uh, we were a little short on counselors this year. I'm hoping that we'll be able to get, a, get the volunteer numbers up with counselors. Uh, we're kind of in a, a bit of a transition wave here. You know, there was the old, the old, the old group of counselors like me and Aaron and Luke. Uh, we were up there for so many years, Malia, you remember Malia, and we had that group that was up there for so long, and now everyone is kind of moving on and doing their own thing now, so we're kind of bringing up a new wave of counselors, and, and looking at the campers that we have, I know we have a lot of campers that are going to make great counselors, they're just not quite old enough yet, or they're not quite there, so we are we are kind of in a bit of a, a bit of a transition wave right here, but I'm trusting that God will get us through it, um, um, but uh, do be praying about that. Um, also, a urgent prayer request that we have. Aaron, uh, who has been with the camp for a very long time, he has accepted a job to be a student pastor now. Um, so Aaron will no longer be helping us out at the camp. And as his friend, I'm very happy that he has got that job as a student pastor because I know that's what he loves doing. Um, but as a camp director, I am not very happy because now i got to find a new staff person. So do be praying that we're able to find a new staff person because Aaron did a lot of the camp. Um, you know, back in the day, Luke was the Luke was the height, so when we needed to get anything up high, we asked Luke to do it, and Aaron was the muscles, and anything that was required strength, we had Aaron to do it, and I was the brains, which means I just sat around and told people what to do. Um, but we, we, we are in need of a new staff member. Maybe we can find a strong and tall person, so that we can combine Luke and Aaron's strengths and have someone to take care of this stuff. But we are in need of that. And then also, um, we are trying to start an after-school program at camp. And so we are we are looking to do that. We'd like to have kids up there every day in the afternoon. Um, we, we're hoping to transport them over from Fairview Elementary and a Cane Creek and Reynolds Middle School, the, just the schools over there in Fairview. We're looking to take the kids up to camp every day after school, offer some after school um, program for the kids. Um, but we are needing some volunteers for that because we need, you know, with Aaron being gone now, we need to find someone who'd be willing to drive a van every day to help us transport the kids to camp, someone that could be up there. Because um, there's some days where I have to go and do things in the afternoon. So we, we are in need of some more volunteers to so be praying for that as well. Because um, we'd like to have after school, the after school program, but we are going to need a couple of, couple of people to come alongside us and help us out before we're able to do it. So uh, be praying for that. We do have some interest from the kids, though. So um, if God provides students and he, he, he's going to provide a way for them to get up to camp. So we just got to trust him and 
We'll see what he does. Keep praying about it, though. Um, so thank you guys so much for letting me come. I don't know if you want to close out or anything, but yeah, any appreciate. questions uh, for Aaron or coming to uh, JP? Any questions or, or comments or whatever? What's it, what's uh, Aaron going to be? When is he leaving? Uh, uh, Friday was his last day. Okay. So tomorrow, tomorrow he is officially the student pastor at um, Biltmore Church, the Hendersonville campus. So he he still he will still live at camp for the time being because that's where his home is. Um, so he he will still be up there to help me out a little bit. Um, but obviously, he'll be working full time for the church now. So, any questions? All right. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, being on the board, I know that we talk about a lot of problems that we have with needing counselors, and one of the things we bring about is finances. It's always a big issue the finances, and we have some men on the board that are very sharp. Um, they 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 lay out a strategy of what our income is and where we're going and it always looks really bleak like we're just going to be if we don't do something in the next month we're just going to end up not being able to make it or whatever god's always faithful he always does that and uh, finances is one of many leashes that god uses with us when i at least i mean like you put on an animal or something and you, sometimes you can get moving out moving and you kind of get ahead of the lord and get fun of him and the financial need will stop and bring you back if you need these things. And so I'm I'm excited about what God's doing. I've seen him work. How's Dennis and Marsha? Miss um, Marsha is not doing well. The last time we saw them was at um, one of our wedding showers. Um, that was in, I think, June, right before camp started. And they, we saw them there, and they said they were going to be at the wedding, but they ended up not making it. Um, and, but yes, Miss Marsha's not doing well. Her cancer has come back, um, and she is, uh, the last time we saw them, she wasn't able to do anything for herself. And Dennis had to, uh, you know, hold her arm everywhere she went, and uh, had to cut her food up for her and everything. So um, she's not doing very well at all. And then for um, Mr. Dennis, he, you know, his health is doing okay. Um, but it is taking a strain on him having sure. to take care of Marshall. Sure. So. Sure. So. Well, they are living down in Zirconia. Yeah. I would encourage you to prayerfully uh, consider help support the camp. It's good work. God is using it and it's moving forward. If you want to be involved.